Welcome to Spread the Good Podcast with your host, Eric Edens. Positivity you can count on. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Spread the Good. I am your host, Eric Edens. As I've said before, this show is not about me. It's about others and the community as a whole. So if you know of anyone in the community doing great things for others, let us know, just as Doug Treadwell did. Doug sent us a message a couple weeks ago letting us know that the First United Methodist Church in Sacramento on J Street is doing great things for the homeless. To see for myself what they're doing, I arranged a visit to church. When I arrived at the church, I was greeted by a very positive and happy person, Roberta Mori. She spoke to me about what they're doing with great enthusiasm, and you can just tell she was filled with the joy that comes from spreading the good. After getting a tour from Roberta and being introduced to Mark Latall, who is also doing great things for the unhoused, as he calls it, and I have also interviewed for this episode, I sat down with her so that she can tell you all what they're doing. Let's have a listen. Well, everyone, I'm sitting here with uh, Roberta Mori from the United Methodist uh, Church in Sacramento on J Street. Actually, J and 21st Street. I'm talking with Roberta today uh, because of the great organization that they are and what they're doing to help people in the community. We're going to listen to Roberta and hear about all the great things they're doing. And of course, hopefully, uh, you guys will enjoy what you hear and you'll want to do something similar, maybe even help out uh, at the First United Methodist uh, in Sacramento. So Roberta, thank you for being here with us today. Well, Eric, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, you're, you're welcome. So Roberta, let's go ahead and just talk about um, what you guys are doing. I mean, why am I here? You know why I'm here. You tell our listeners what you guys are doing. Well, let me start with just a little history. So the First United Methodist Church on 21st and J has been around since uh, early 1900s. I think it was built in uh, 1925. And in the year 2000, the youth group decided that instead of going off to do youth ministry work, they wanted to serve their community. So they came up with the idea of making a breakfast before the uh, church service in the morning. And they wanted to target the population around the church, the community, and some of the unhoused individuals that we have. So that started as a small idea with the youth group and um, it has grown over the years. And I'll tell you that in February of this year, 2020, we served 120 people for breakfast the last Sunday of February. And the guests would come into our dining room. We have 11 tables. They uh, seat seven people. We have about eight individuals in our kitchen that come at 5 o'clock in the morning and make coffee and start cracking eggs and making sausage and pancakes and grits. And we open the doors at 8 o'clock in the morning, and our guests arrive. They are seated. We work with the Jesuit students. They help as servers. Many members of our congregation are here by 6.45 in the morning, setting tables, arranging the room. And then we welcome the guests in. We start with a prayer and song, and then we serve our guests Oftentimes, the meal is uh, accompanied by gifts, clothing, uh, personal items, things that could serve the community and that are appropriately seasonal. So in the wintertime, we give away warm coats and clothes. 
the summertime frozen water bottles and cooling neckties. But then in March, everything changed with COVID and um, many of our volunteers are seniors and it was not appropriate for them to come out and serve. We closed the church. We, com we were in compliance with the CDC guidelines and the state mandate to close the church and to stop the breakfast service. Uh, that put us in kind of a bind for a while. It took us a little while to regroup. Uh, Patricia, our lead, started to put together community meals that we could serve at the gate. So rather than opening up the church, we put tables up and started to prepare lunch meals and our breakfast burritos. So we assumed the same schedule that we had before with the last two Sundays of the month with breakfast burrito service. And then on the third Tuesday, we started doing lunches. Then in about, um, that, that worked well. We um, did not have as many guests. We were probably serving between 20 and 30 people uh, a meal. But at least we felt that we were providing a service to those that were in need. Pretty soon the word started to spread a little bit more among the community. And our numbers bumped up to between, I'd say, 40 and 50 guests at each meal. We would share this information with the rest of the congregation through our newsletter. And the most amazing things started to happen. Donations started to come in to help with food. Patricia was able to receive a grant from Sex um, Steps Forward that allowed us to purchase additional food and to begin a partnership that I'll share with you in a few minutes. Um, we were also able to um, think about what we could do to meet the needs of the unhoused community seasonally. As you know, cooling stations, heating stations, other support services for the unhoused began to shut down. So we wanted to try to maintain some of those services that we could provide for the community. We began reaching out to the community and we had um, our congregational members make muffins and cookies and we would give these away. We started adding fruit to our meal. And then we started a resource cart that contained socks and extra masks and hats and gloves as the weather started to cool down. I think the most amazing thing was when we went to mandatory mask wearing in March, members of the congregation stepped up and started making masks. We had masks coming in from all over areas of Sacramento. There's a small tap dancing group that uh, would meet every Wednesday to tap dance. They were unable to meet because of COVID. So uh, Candy, Cindy, Rita, Annie would make handmade masks during their tap dancing session and then give those to the church so we could hand out to our guests. Nice. So it's those acts of kindness that kind of grow organically that, that just, keep coming in, ideas keep coming forward. This summer, we also um, put in our newsletter that we wanted to give out gift cards to grocery outlet. So members of the community chipped in money and we gave away $10 gift cards to help the community. In August and September, when it was so hot and it was smoky, we were giving away bandanas and cooling neckties to keep the guests um, cool when they couldn't be here. And then as the winter began, one of our uh, congregational members decided to have a coat drive. The first uh, Sunday, that, Saturday that we had that coat drive, they collected over 100 coats. They just had signs that they were standing out on J Street waving signs that said coat drive. And people would pull over and 
take the coat off of their back and say, here, take this one. You guys can use this. Or they would go home to their house and pick up extra coats and items and bring them back for us. We had another coat drive on December 19th and collected 70 coats, and we are giving those away on our Sunday breakfast. So uh, last Sunday, we gave away 50 coats, and we will be giving away probably that many or more this Sunday after Christmas. One of the amazing things that came out of this was Patricia's relationship with Sack Steps Forward and her relationship with a man named Mark Luttrell. And you may be hearing from Mark later. Mark is a veteran, and he put together a service for the community whereby he has a trailer with three shower stalls. And he um, brings that to our church parking lot since we're not having services. And we have that set up every Tuesday of the month from 8 to 12, and the last two Sundays of the month from 8 to 12. So our um, unhoused guests are able to approach the shower. They are given a towel, personal hygiene items, socks and underwear, and now some clothing options are available. Uh, they can take a 10-minute shower, get cleaned up, feel refreshed, and most uh, days when the showers are here, our church is providing some type of meal to support this. In addition, Mark and his team always give away a bag lunch. Maybe it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a piece of fruit, but people don't go hungry, and they stay warm, and they feel clean. So these are some of the, the kindness and gifts and joy that are brought to this church from the community and from the congregation. It's just overwhelming, Eric. Yeah, I mean, joy is overwhelming by definition. Like, I, I think if someone has joy, it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world, it's happy. Like, you can't not be happy when you're, when you're filled with joy. It doesn't matter what other things are going on. And so uh, one of the reasons why I'm here is you guys are doing such great work helping the unhoused. And, and they're struggling through a, a lot of stuff, right? You know, not just not having a home to live in. It's not just about not having shelter. The psychological conditioning that, that happens because you're trying to survive every second of every day. You would think that people going through that wouldn't be able to be happy, but that's not true. Can you share an example of, and I think you, you had a good example earlier, of someone who who's experiencing joy, even though they've gone through so much, and because they have that inner joy that they're still, they are able to be happy. Eric, you bring up a really good point, because yes, we do this because we want to give, but as volunteers, and there's a, a core of about 12 of us that volunteer to do this during COVID, we get a gift every time we're here. It feels good to serve, but it also feels good to have these interactions um, with our unhoused guests. Most of our team knows our unhoused guests by first name, and um, we look for them. You know, we haven't seen so-and-so, we haven't seen so-and-so, we're, we're watching out for them. But let me share what happened last Sunday. This was amazing. Last Sunday, we had coats to give away, and this gentleman came down the street, and he was uh, using a walker. His legs were kind of shuffling, as he came up to our hand washing station and he uh, came up the ramp. I helped him pick out a couple of coats for himself and his friend. 
we offered him a warm burrito. And then um, one of our volunteers, Bill, helped him down the ramp with his bags. And as this gentleman stood on the base of the ramp, he looked up at Bill and said, now what's your favorite Christmas song? And Bill said, you know, I like them all. And this man said, my favorite Christmas song is Oh Holy Night. And standing right there on the corner of J and 21st, he breaks into this baritone acapella of Oh Holy Night. And it was like everything stopped, like the traffic stopped, the people stopped. And all you could hear was this amazing voice. He hit every note perfectly. And talk about joy. Oh my gosh, we were cheering him after he finished. <laughs> it, was, it was something I have never heard before, sung from the soul. It was just, it was incredible. That, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's joy can't be bought. No. Joy does not come from things. It, it, it comes from inside. And that gets developed through serving others, I think, more than anything. Um, and as you well know, people who are unhoused, they have a community. And, and they look out for each other. And they care for each other. And they find joy in being there for others. And so that resonates in, with him, definitely. You know, you, you talk about um, caring for others. And um, we have a couple of folks. Uh, Dan will come up and say, you know what, I've got somebody around the corner I need something for. And you know he's taken to him or her. Alex comes up and says, any extras you guys got, I'll take down to Cesar Chavez Park. So, you know, it is that all of us looking out for one another. And even with masks on, you can still see smiles. You can still mm -hmm. see joy. You can still share in these moments. And though we're social distancing, we're following the guidelines. I think our volunteers get more out of this than some of those that we come to serve because we feel a sense of purpose. And right now, with, with COVID and with the isolation, it, it feels so good to, to give to someone else and to feel that you have some value and that you know, we're all making sacrifices at this time, but some a lot more than others. There are more and more unhoused lately, and we've met new people, people who have had jobs for a long time, and they walk up and say, I've been employed all my life, and now I, I used to work in a kitchen, and the restaurant's closed. And so there's crisis out there all mm -hmm. over. And if we, can, if we can make a few, a handful of people happy or a full stomach for a short period of time, it feels good to us and we pray that it feels good to others. Oh, that's awesome. Roberta, uh, I want to thank you for, for being here with me uh, and, and talking about what you guys are doing here. You guys are doing great things. Um, before I let you go, do you have any family recipes or a recipe that's special for you and your family during Christmas? Gingerbread cookies. Nice. Yep, my grandmother used to make those and decorate them and they were always a key part of our holiday celebration. And um, I still do those in honor of her and the memories of 
my childhood with those little cookies. All right. Yeah, now, is, is that a, a secret recipe, or is it just a general recipe from a recipe book? It's just a general recipe. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the way she decorated them that made but, them so cute. And doing special. it with them and her doing it yeah, for you guys. Yeah, yeah definitely. And Shared experience. That's, that's the best thing about holidays like Christmas, is yeah. doing things together with your family, and it becomes these magical moments that you remember for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Eric, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Roberta, it's been a pleasure sitting here with you and, and talking. Eric, thank you for the work that you're doing. We sure appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Roberta. I want to thank Roberta for her time and hospitality during my visit with her. If anyone out there has old coats or sleeping bags that are just taking up space and you won't be using them again, please consider donating them to the First United Methodist Church in Sacramento on Jane Street. It will be put to great use. Now, as I said before, I also sat down and interviewed Mark Littal, who is also doing great things for the unhoused. Mark Littal is the founder of ShowUp. Their website is www.showupsac.ca. That's www.showupsac.ca. His program offers free showers for the unhoused, and they are looking to expand from the several locations they already have. They also have plans on giving unhoused regulars jobs with the program and train them for future employment elsewhere. Talk about spreading the good. What Mark is doing extra special is that, from my own witnessing, he is filled with compassion towards the unhoused. When I first met him, he was helping some unhoused visitors, and the way he spoke with them and how they spoke with him in turn was that of good friends. Let's listen to what Mark had to share as I sat down with him to hear his story. Well, I'm sitting here with Mark Luttrell with uh, First United Methodist Church, Sacramento, J and 21st Street. Mark, um... You know why I'm here today. You guys are doing great things, and I, I wanted our listeners to hear direct from you what you guys are doing and, and what inspired you to do this uh, and, and the, what joy it brings you and to others. Well, thanks for coming out. And uh, uh, I guess for me, I, people ask that question all the time. And, and uh, honestly, I love helping people, bottom line. Um, but, but as far as the shower treasures go, I'm retired military, and so I did 20 years. And I did some deployments to Iraq or exercises or anywhere you know you're out in the field. And when you're gone for a week or two weeks and you don't have a shower, you come back from the field feeling kind of funky. And first thing you want is a shower, not the food, not the cot, the shower. And when Ron from Bayside Church came and said, "Hey, you know, you're doing a great thing. We're doing overnight once a you know once a week. But what can we do? What more can we do?" And I told him, I said, "I'm really seriously looking at showers." something that we need, that they need, because we take it for granted. I have rolled out of bed this morning, got in a shower. I didn't think about it. Just my life. I've had people come take a shower here with us who haven't had a shower for six months. Wow. You know, let alone a couple of weeks at a time here and there. And there are, in normal times, um, there are places they can shower. Still far and few between. But right now, I mean, they can't even use restrooms. Yeah. I mean, I'm a paying customer, and I go to AM PM to get a cup of coffee. I'm like, hey, can I use the restroom? No, COVID. So it's really, really hard for our in-house community to be able to take showers. It's something that we were able to do, and you know, it's been a success. We're happy to do it. And, uh, my volunteers that are out there doing it, I can't say enough about them. We provide clothes, and our thing is, every person that comes to take a shower, get brand new socks and underwear. You know, and we try to get them clothes too, as much as we have. And they have uh, food, compassion, and love. I mean, it's all about, it's all about the people. There's a lot of that going around here. Definitely. 
definitely. And we want them to see that we see them for who they are, that they are people. That, you know, when they're out on the street, people kind of look away, walk away, walk around them. Um, you know, that's just kind of how society has become. But you know, they are, they're just people too. And they're part of your life. That, absolutely. Right? I mean, they're not just, there's someone that's, that, that's here. I mean, they're in front of you, they're part of your life. And they should be treated like they are. And that makes a big difference huge, when you do. It, a huge difference. I know, um, you know, I've worked with the homeless for many, many years here in Sacramento. And if you just, the biggest thing, if you listen to them and you hear what they say, even if they come up and they ask you, hey, do you have a quarter or whatever, if you don't have it, and, I'll, and you just tell them, oh, no, I'm sorry, I don't have any change. You acknowledge them, yeah. that, that, you know, that shows them that you see them as, as a person. Yeah, you know, and they're good with that. Most of them. Yeah, of course. There's always that little percentage that people see and hear about. Oh, we're standing in the street screaming at people. That's the small percentage. Well, and, and you, uh, you have people with mental disorders and things like that too. So even then, you think of it from that standpoint. Those people who are doing those, those few people who are acting like that, you just have to consider. Right. Most likely, there's a mental disorder. Sure. You know, so. Yeah, there's something creating that. There's an issue there. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to try to fix the issue. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm another person that I'm going to try to help them by maybe just listening to them or yep. maybe leaving them alone, not aggravating them. There's other, all kinds of things you can do. Yeah. But, you know, and you're right. It's here. It's not going anywhere. The whole NIMBY, not my backyard. Well, folks, Sacramento is your backyard. <laughs> so no matter where you move them, NIMBY here, move them there, move them they're going to still be here. What we need to do is we need to help. I think, this is my personal opinion, there's them and there's those. They are the, not us. That community, we need to bridge that gap. Um, when I went over to the Pipeworks, from the, the gym over there, one of the reasons I was asked to come over there was because there was a big gap. There were folks living on A Street and Ahern all around Loves and Fishes. Um, and there was Pipeworks. There was like issues going on there because the management was pushing against them. They were pushing back and forth. And so I went over there. The owner invited me over and I took him out for a walk. We walked up and down. I said, they're people. Let's talk to them. What can we do to help them so that they can help you by watching your property? Keep people from doing damage. Things like that. We did. We went out. They needed dumpsters. Got a dumpster right there for them. You know, they needed bathrooms. They've got bathrooms there. And Mark's. I'm pretty sure he's pretty happy that Nothing's been happening there. You know, and, and that's something that's true of all people. I mean, you look at any community, any neighborhood, you know, and I tell these people this all the time, you know, as, as my listeners know, I've been a teacher for 21 years, but I'm also a realtor. And one of the things that most realtors don't talk about is the value of developing positive relationships in your neighborhood. And that can improve the value of your home because you're creating a safer neighborhood by building positive relationships with everybody you possibly can in your neighborhood. Sure. And when you do that, they look out for you and they look out for each other. That's right. Well, they have a vested interest. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how it is with, because we are now keeping our trailer and all our you know, clothes and food and all that stuff at Pipeworks. Well, Pipeworks is in the middle of the homeless community. And people, a lot of people say that, aren't you worried about your stuff? I'm not. Honestly, I'm not because that provides for them. They are going to protect that because it is something that they use. Yeah. So that bringing that community together, it's amazing. I ran into 
an individual a couple days ago at the, at the store. And he said, do you have this type of car? I said, I do. Why, what's up, you? Okay, I saw you at the trailer the other day, uh, and I wanted to make sure that it was you. Yeah. They're looking out for their own interests, exactly. but my interests as well, because we're bridging that gap. Yeah. When it's them and they, there's no bridge. They start, you know, button heads. Together, we work together, and I think that's going to be help solve part of our problem with the homeless that's not going away. Yeah, and uh, and not you know not to t- take away from um, you know the, the homeless crisis or anything, but it, there is a connection. I just want the listeners to understand that you know we all experience this concept. It, uh, teachers in the classroom, you know, there are teachers in the classroom that have a difficult time managing the class, sure, because of behavioral problems. Right. Then you have teachers that they don't really do much of anything with those same exact kids, and there's no behavior problems. Right. And it has to do with how they talk to the, to the kids. Do they t- t- talk to them like they're little robots and they're, they're supposed to be perfect? Or are they talked to with compassion and care and helping them overcome what's causing them to struggle as opposed to getting mad at them for the, their response to the struggles? Right. Right. And then the same thing with people who are struggling with homelessness, you, they're going through struggles. That's right. So are you going to talk to them in a compassionate way or are you going to be mad at them because they are responding to their their situation in a way that's negative? Sure. If you talk to them with compassion and you actually help and by help, I don't mean going out there, giving them money and all kinds of food and all this stuff, even just saying hi to them. Acknowledge them huge help because then they're saying okay it's not me versus the world the world's got my back too sure so. and dignity is one of the biggest things that they get when they come to see us they come with like the clothes the underwear but they walk into that shower they spend 10 minutes in their hot water they come out a new person it's amazing they have dignity again they're like look at me world i'm here and i'm back yeah you know it's amazing and that's it they're seen we see them like yeah. i said that it's something so simple but and it's not even just seeing them. It's acknowledging that they're another human being. Sure, exactly. You know, yep. because we can see them right. and we could be looking at them like we're looking at animals in a cage or something. Right, exactly. But you, know, you were talking earlier about, um, when we were talking before the, the show, about uh, the, the, your goals mm-hmm. uh, and what you want to do here and some other programs you're associated with to help you with those goals. Can you talk about that a little bit? I can. The idea behind this program is we want to go from uh, helping our uh, unhoused community find a home. We want to get them employed, and that way they have a skill to run with their life. So, show up our shower program. We are going to um, we have a contract uh, with the water resource board, and we're going to do a pilot program for six months, where we're going to have shower showers. Our showers will have toilets, so mobile restrooms by the river. And our goal is to get people off the river and take showers with us. Um, use the bathrooms that we have provided for them so they're not in the uh, river because E. coli is pretty high in the river from people bathing in them. So, you know, we can work that out. But since it's a program that the city, that's for for the homeless, we want to make it by the homeless. We want them to be able to work it, be able to run the program. So we're going to train them. I'm going to train them on the showers. I'm going to hire them um, part-time for like for six months. They'll be in a, a program where they get stipends. After that six months, once they meet the minimum requirements, if they're ready, then we're going to hire them and pay them. You know, help them get on their feet, help them establish. The first six months, first six months, we're going to do um, 
you know, life skills. Get them back into, you know, financing. Maybe that was the reason that they're in the state that they're in. Um, you know, we're going to get them dealing with difficult people because sometimes they're deal they're difficult people. You're going to have to deal with other people in that type of program. Um, and just respect and uh, punctuality, things that they don't really think about anymore because they've been out on the streets for so long. We're going to bring them back there, and then after that, we'll hire them on. We'll get them, you know, get, hopefully get the records expunged if we need to do that. Get them a license back, things like that. And at the end of a year, our goal is to have them graduate our program as a successful, qualified custodian, and they can go take that skill and work anywhere. They don't have to stay in California. They can go anywhere. Maybe they can go work for Pride Industries, you know, because they do, sometimes they do, they hire special needs. And some of our folks, you know, as we all know, so that kind of falls into that program. So our goal is to pick them up, help them up, not carry them, but walk with them. Yeah. And then at the end, wave goodbye and congratulate. That sounds great. Is there any need uh, for you to have some volunteers uh, to help out in getting this going? Absolutely. I've, uh, um, like I said, we've got the one trailer now, and it's a growing the trailer. We had clothes, we have food, so now we have a bigger product, like you said. Now we're going to take that product within the next six months and triple it. So definitely, I'm going to need people. I'm going to need bodies to help. I'm going to need people that, if they can tow a trailer, you have the truck that can tow a trailer. We stay in town, so we don't go very far. Now, you know, our goal is to expand. We want to go YOLO. We want to go plaster. We want to go where the folks need us. In order to do so, I'm going to need help. So I definitely need volunteers. All right, we, you guys all heard that here. If you, if you want to be part of a growing program that's really going to benefit not just people who are struggling with homelessness, but the entire community, because, you know, helping these people um, stay, you know, be clean and helping these people get off their, off their feet or get on their feet, rather, and get jobs in the future and whatnot, we're going to have cleaner rivers, we're going to have cleaner streets, we're going to have all kinds of stuff that benefits everybody. If you want to be part of this, uh, part of something like that, you know, you need to contact Mark Luttrell. It's a really great thing you're doing, Mark. And, and I really hope that you, you're able to get more and more volunteers. I'm going to do what I can to get the word out there. Um, so you guys can, you can have even more help because, you know, the more help you have, the more likely you are to make things happen. That's right. And so. Look at where we are now. A year ago, I was the man with a dog in a trailer. Now, we've, you know, we've over six, over 7,000 showers, you know, several hundred. I'm just, it's amazing what we've been able to do, but it's still not enough. I need help. I have a website. If people are interested, they can get, they can get a hold of me through that website. It's, Great. Uh, show up sack, one word, dot C-A. All right. That's my location. All the information, call me, email me, send me smoke signals. I would love the help. I'd love to get more people involved in their community so we can bridge that gap. Right on. Well, I'll make sure that it's on our website as well. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right. And post it on, on our Facebook page and all excellent. that. So, Mark, thank you for, for sitting here with me and chatting. I'm glad I got to put a spotlight on what you guys are doing here for you. And as I told Roberta earlier, uh, when this whole COVID mess is over, my, my wife and kids and I will be down here so you can see what's going on for themselves as they're hearing it first, uh, secondhand from their papa. We would love that because, you know, we're all, we all have to work together. Yeah. Bottom line. Yep. And uh, if you can come help us, we help you, we can help each other. It's just beautiful. Exactly. 
All right, Mark. Thanks. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and I'll be talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you so much for having me. All right. You're welcome. So you guys heard it. Step Up is doing great things, and they are looking to expand. If you'd like to help in any way, please go to their website at www.showupsac.ca. You can also call Mark at 916-265-4392. I'd like to thank Mark for his time and for the great things he's doing for the community. Both Roberta and Mark have such great joy in their lives and has been derived from going out there and helping people who are less fortunate. In turn, you can see the joy in those they are helping as well. Thanks again to both of them. You can find the info of the church and of Mark's program show up on our website at www.spreadthegoodpodcast.com. And thank you, Doug, for pointing us in their direction. If anyone else out there knows of any great things going on that's making a difference in the community, let us know about it. You can email us at spreadthegoodpodcast at gmail.com or fill out the contact us form on our website. Roberta mentioned gingerbread cookies as a special Christmas time recipe. Not the recipe itself, but the act of making cookies together with loved ones. So for this week's recipe, I've shared a recipe on our website for soft and chewy gingerbread cookies that are really good. Make sure to check them out. There's no easier place to create magic with loved ones than in the kitchen. And making gingerbread gingerbread cookies with loved ones, no matter what age you are, or they are, magic is a real treat when you're baking together. This week for the small business spotlight, uh, I'd like to mention Jasmine Donuts in Rockland. Uh, They're located at 5965 Pacific Street in Rockland. Phone number is 916-632-2740. Their donuts are delicious. They're they're absolutely perfect. Uh, Anytime I need donuts for any event or for the family or for my students at school, uh, this is where I go. Um, So I wanted to throw that out there as a small business to support this week. Um, They are absolutely one of the, the best donut shops around. Uh, definitely in our area, but again, that's Jasmine Donuts in Rockland. Uh, address is fifty nine sixty five Pacific Street, and the phone number is nine one six six three two two seven four zero. One thing you should know is they take orders ahead of time, so you can order the donuts you want over the phone and go pick them up uh, when you want to pick them up. All right, this episode of Spread the Good Podcast is special because it is the first episode that. Everyone is able to listen to the entirety of our song for this week without having a paid account with Spotify. This song was written for my wife for Christmas. The song has a lot of details in it about our life together and was a big hit with Melissa. So I'm sharing it here with everyone for everyone else to enjoy. Please have a listen. Happy New Year and go out there and spread the good. It only took three weeks to fall in love To find everything that I was dreaming of Now every year we have our boardwalk day I'll never forget the last day in May I'll never forget the last day in May I'm still swinging round these trees to kiss goodnight To tell you that I'm always by your side We've come so far since those days on that pier There's nowhere else I'd rather be than here 
There's nowhere else I'd rather be than here All this time together, you and I Two soulmates forever, side by side Whatever comes our way, I know we'll be okay I'll do it all again, love of my life I get lost in the galaxies inside your eyes And I'm still in love with your beautiful smile When my head is in the clouds and can't be found You always put my feet on solid ground You always put my feet on solid ground Built this house with memories and love So much that these walls aren't big enough There are still some memories we're yet to make As a family with every step we take As a family with every step we take time together you and I two soulmates forever side by side whatever comes our way I know we'll be okay I'll do it all again love of my life with every memory and the joy that each one brings the driftwood and toy flowering Melissa I would never change a thing this life we've made means everything all this time all this time together you and I two soulmates forever side by side whatever comes our way I know we'll be okay I'll do it all again, love of my 